thank you, Tara. And let's keep uh, our Bibles open to Ephesians chapter 1. And uh, I'm going to pray for us as we consider the word that Tara's just read out. Let's pray together. Faithful God, you cause all holy scriptures to be written for our learning. Help us to hear them, mark them, and inwardly digest them. That's by the patience and comfort of your holy word, we may embrace and always hold firmly to the blessed hope of everlasting life, which you have given to us in and through our Saviour, Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, during the past couple of years, I have been made aware all the more that this world seemingly offers out hope and the blessed life this hope of what a blessed life would look like, whether it's uh, the leadership position at school, the ideal job, ideal family, ideal community. Uh, Perhaps it's the uh, ideal project homes that are currently being developed somewhere in the affordable area. And if only we can get these things then, and only then will we truly be blessed. Uh, Perhaps even this week, the idea, the lure, of the art of the blessed life has been offered to you and perhaps like me you've even gone to some churches and heard from the pulpit or the music stand uh, about the blessings on offer be blessed uh, do this get blessed give this be blessed uh, but to note uh, we can talk about blessings such as stuff wealth health family sporting activities as as gifts because they are gifts And if we have them, we should be thankful for them. But there is a real and present danger to our discipleship to Jesus if we're taught about what the world thinks of a blessed life is compared to what the Bible says what the blessed life is, what it means to be blessed by God. Because God actually does offer blessing. But the blessing that God offers is different to the blessing that this world seemingly offers out. Uh, So for the next 20 or so minutes, we're going to consider three really critical questions. Uh, The first question is, and you can see it on your outline printed in front of you, what are the blessings? Where are the blessings? And finally, how do we get the blessings? So it's the what, the where, and the how to be blessed. And to answer this, we're going to keep our Bibles open to Ephesians chapter 1, which which Tara read out for us. And by way of context, uh, you may know that the book of Ephesians is written from the Apostle Paul to a church of early Christians in a town called Ephesus. And we heard this in verses 1 and 2. It says, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, to the saints who are in Ephesus, and faithful in Christ Jesus, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, Ephesus was one of the largest Roman cities, and many Romans there would have been living this blessed materialistic life. But Christianity hadn't yet boomed by the time they received this letter. So they would have been meeting in groups, maybe even less than this, in the relevant version of their, their town hall. And the Christians would have been looking around and not seeing much of the materialistic blessed life that the, perhaps the Romans were seeing. But when they read this letter, and indeed when we read this letter of Ephesians, despite whatever life circumstance we're being faced with, the Apostle Paul lifts our eyes up to the awesome things that God has done for us in Jesus Christ. 
And it's interesting, uh, I don't know if you've ever uh, reflected on this, but the book of Ephesians is one of the only letters in the New Testament that isn't written in response to something happening. Uh, the book of Galatians, it's written in response to something about the law. What is the gospel? What is the law? Uh, the book of Corinthians, if you've read the book of Corinthians, it's addressing a whole host of problems in that church. But the, the book of Ephesians, and why one of the reasons I love it, it's as if Paul takes this opportunity to take the Christians up in Ephesus to Mount Cutha, or whatever is a big mountain in Rome, and give them an awesome view of all that God has done for the Christians in the first century, for the Christians in the 21st century. You and I, we, Christ our refuge, where we fit into God's plans. So our first question to consider uh, tonight is, what are the blessings? Is it a fancy new Tesla? No, no. Uh, God doesn't promise us a Tesla, but thank God if you have one. Uh, we won't read the whole section, uh, but keep your eyes on Ephesians chapter 1, verse 4 to 11 with me. And just scanning your eyes over, we see countless blessings being on offer. We can see the blessings are in verse 4, holy and blameless. And then verse 5, predestined for adoption. Verse 7, redemption through his blood, forgiveness of our trespasses. And verse 11, obtained an inheritance. It's blessings upon blessings upon blessings. And it's a picture of being lavished by God, being given blessings upon blessings upon blessings. And I've, I've heard it well explained to me. This is almost a picture of Christmas time. Uh, if you've got young kids in your family or wider family, think back to me with Christmas. And what happens at Christmas if you're anything like my family? It's an ordered affair where we will give out a present and we will wait for the other people to open their present, take the sticky tape off and enjoy the present. And we bless one another in that way. But perhaps your family is the opposite. You pick up the present and you are throwing it across the room. Everyone's throwing presents everywhere and everyone is being blessed. The parents have purposely uh, gone to the shops months, hours beforehand, and picked out the perfect present for their child. And they are handing it over, perhaps across the room or delicately to them. But this, in Ephesians chapter 1, is a picture of being lavished with blessings. Uh, that's what Paul is talking about here. He overflows with joy in talking about all the spiritual blessings that Christians have in Jesus. We have it all, and no one on Team Jesus misses out. And as we cast our eyes over this page, uh, we could zoom in and talk about all of the blessings, because they're all worthy of our study, but we're just going to zoom in on two of the blessings that are found in verse 5 and found in verse 7. And in a nutshell, it tells us that Christians are predestined into adoption, and verse 7, are redeemed by the Son. So we're going to slow down and talk about those two blessings. Verse 5, I'll read it out. He predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will. See, it's very, very, very important to know that long before we ever decided to follow Jesus, God chose us. See, many Christians wrestle with this uh, and find it hard to understand. And, and uh, Dave, who's not here today, and I uh, would love to have a conversation with you if you are wrestling with this idea of being chosen. But first and foremostly, 
any conversation about being predestined for adoption must always start that, with that this doctrine is an unspeakable comfort to Christians. That's our first response. Uh, the Anglican 39 Articles of Faith declare, as the godly consideration of predestination and our election in Christ is full of sweet, pleasant, and unspeakable comfort to the godly persons. Uh, we haven't just been predestined into an acquaintance relationship with God, but we've been predestined, we've been adopted into his family. We've been welcomed into the home, given a seat at the table. Uh, and the reality is that we actually don't deserve to be a part of God's family. Uh, the reality is that though in different ways, we have rejected him as God by deciding to live our own life, uh, by breaking his rules and, and living as if we are God, making up our own rules to live, following our desires, making our own priorities, and even thinking and chasing after what we think the blessed life really is and forgetting about God's offer. All of us in our own way have, have rebelled against God, guilty of sin, guilty of trespassing, which makes the idea in verse 5 of being predestined for adoption all the more remarkable. Uh, J.I. Packer, a very good Christian author who is now with the Lord, he writes about this, adoption is the highest privilege that the gospel offers, higher even than justification. <clears throat> to be right with God, the judge, is a great thing, but to be loved and cared for by God the Father is greater. And by, by way of application for us, knowing that God has, has chosen us to be adopted into his family, this should lead us to being humble before him. It humbles us because our adoption isn't based on our own performance. We didn't earn to be adopted into his family, but God has been gracious towards us. He chose us. And what a comfort that is. But likewise, this should actually shape our prayers, shape our prayers for our friends, our not-so-friends, our enemies, our colleagues, our co-workers, and whoever may have just come to mind right now, to pray to the sovereign God who predestines people to be adopted into his family, that he would choose people in our city. Uh, <clears throat> it, it, it should lead us to beg, to plea in prayer to our Father in heaven to adopt many into his family. And, and by way of application, Christ our refuge. Let's be a people that pray for our city to come to trust Jesus, that God would adopt them into his family. So that's verse 5. Verse 7 now, the second of these blessings that we're going to slow down on is being redeemed by the Son. It says in verse 7, In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace. See, Jesus' death achieved our redemption through his blood on the cross. And we say the word redemption a lot, but the biblical idea of redemption actually comes from the, the New Testament times slave market. It's not like slaves today. In the New Testament times, slaves would voluntarily give themselves into the ownership of the slave master. And to be freed, someone else had to come along and pay what is called a ransom price. The slave, him or herself, 
could not pay that price, but someone else had to. And through his blood and the giving of his life, Jesus was the payment, the ransom price for all who put their trust in him, according to the riches of God's grace. Uh, from the words of Jesus himself in Mark chapter 10, verse 45, you may be familiar with this statement. Jesus says, For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give himself a ransom for many. Have you paused to reflect on this recently? When you have nothing else to think about, when you're doing the dishes, stuck in traffic, working on an assignment, Cast your mind, your thoughts, your attention, and your adoration to thinking about being adopted by the Father and redeemed by the Son. You see, today, uh, we are constantly urged to, to look forward to the future blessings. What else can we latch on to? What's coming next? But Ephesians chapter 1 reminds us to pause and to wonder at the fact that God has adopted you all into his family and you have been redeemed by the Son. So we've seen what are the blessings. The second question is, where are the blessings? Uh, going back to verse 3, we read, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Where are this, the blessings? Well, as we read, they are in the heavenly places. And, and this is referring to what's called the spiritual dimension. It's not just earth, it's not just heaven, and, it, and it's not just the future. It's actually right now. We have been blessed right now. All these things that we've just listed off is ours right now. And at church, sometimes we, we might rightly zoom in on a particular blessing that we receive, as we've just done, with being adopted by the Father, redeemed by the Son. Uh, but it's important not to think that Jude's the one that gets adopted and, and Tom's the one that gets redeemed. Uh, no, no. It's not like Pokemon where you've got to go around and what do you have to do? Catch them all. Catch them all. <laughs> we didn't plan that. Uh, you've got to catch them all. No, it's not like that. Ephesians chapter 1 tells us that, that God has been gracious to us. He has given us every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Whether we fully understand everything that I've just read off, we it's ours. We have received them. And isn't that different to the expectations of, of the culture today? To, earn some, to receive something, rather, that you do not deserve, that you have not earned. Uh, uh, Tim Keller, uh, a famous Christian author, uh, writes in a very good and very short and, more importantly, very free uh, book from city to city about the current age that we live in called How to Reach the West Again. He writes this, in an effort to free the individual self, our culture has led to the current condition in which all relationships are transactional. Perhaps even you've experienced something of that, where in recent weeks you only get something if you earned it, and you're only ever truly blessed if you deserve it. And the result, well, ironically, they're trying to free people, but people are actually being enslaved to these transactional relationships, creating a greater fragility and insecurity. But isn't it amazing to reflect on that Ephesians 1 teaches us that God's relationship towards us isn't based on our performance. It's not transactional, but rather it's based on God's 
grace. He has been gracious towards us. And the result of this is that Christians have the freedom, you and I, to not be fragile, to not be insecure, but rather to flourish because of God's gracious relationship towards us. No matter the trials, the tribulations, the changing ideas of what it means to live a blessed life from this world, our comfort and reassurance is that God has blessed us in the heavenly places. Uh, We've considered the what, the where, and now it leads us to the final section and a very, very important section. If you've heard all these blessings tonight, I think everyone should be left with the question, how do we get the blessings? How do we get the blessings? Once again, let's scan our eyes over uh, verses 3 to 11. And I want you to notice just how many times you see the word in him or in Christ, in love. Verse 3, in Christ. 7, in him. 11, in him. 13, in him. And there may be a couple that I overlooked as well. This phrase keeps coming up in Ephesians and it actually keeps coming up in the rest of the New Testament. You often see the words in him. So it's really important for us to understand what these words in him actually means. And to understand this, there's some really key information found in the Old Testament. And in Genesis 12, at the very start of the Bible, we read of the, uh, the, downfall, the, the downfall spiral of humanity, uh, their rebellion against God. And God graciously speaks to a guy called Abraham, who will be, whose name will be changed to Abraham soon, about what it means to be blessed. So God's talking about blessings all the way back at the start of the Bible. And God promises Abraham in, in Genesis 12, uh, verses 1 to 3. I'll read it out for us. Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you, and I will make, you, I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse, and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed." Now, in Genesis chapter 12, these are foundational promises for us to understand the rest of the Bible, but also to understand our identity. But who is Abraham's offspring? The one in whom all of the nations shall be blessed? Well, that is Jesus Christ, who has been born, died on the cross, and risen from the dead. He is the focus of God's plan for salvation and plan for blessing. He is the answer to this promises. Thus, the phrase, in Christ, in him, keeps coming up again and again in the New Testament. And this phrase really refers to what's called believers' union with Christ. And the idea of union with Christ is is central to the Bible, but it's also central to our own identity, who Jesus is and who we are in him. And the words identity, they are on the lips of everyone in the world right now. Who are you? Who am I? If you turn on the TV, if you open up the newspaper, you see this identity crisis that's happening in the world right now. Well, I've heard it helpfully explained to us when we think about our union with Christ uh, by a fellow called Rory Shiner with reference to going on a trip. Okay, uh, If you're about to go on a trip, you're, you're going to the airport and you're about to go to your destination. And the question I pose to you, don't shout it out, 
but what type of relationship do you need to have with the plane? Uh, is it enough to get to your destination to be underneath the aeroplane? To consider that the aeroplane historically, yes, that's a true aeroplane that lived at one point in time. Is it enough to get to your destination to acknowledge that the aeroplane was a good moral teacher? Uh, is it enough to, to think that you can get to your destination by running behind the aeroplane? No, no. Uh, none of these things will help you get to your destination. Where do you need to be? You need to be in the aeroplane. Why? Because being in the aeroplane, whatever happens to the plane also happens to you. See, at the heart of what Paul is talking about here, about being in Christ, uh, it's the relationship that we need to have with the aeroplane. All right? We need to be in Christ through faith in Jesus, through trusting in him. We are united to him. That is our identity. We are united with Christ. We are hidden with Christ. And whatever is true of Christ is true of us. So that just as Christ rose from the dead, we too will rise from the dead. See, today when we're searching for meaning, identity, salvation, we're urged to look inside of ourselves, aren't we? You do better. Find yourself. Uh, but the Bible tells us to look outside of ourselves, to look for the one with the perfect life, Jesus Christ. Uh, one of the great reformers in the 1500s, John Calvin, he captures it really, really well, urging believers to look outside of themselves. In his own words, he writes, as long as Christ remains outside of us, we are separated from him and all that he has suffered and done for the salvation of the human race remains useless and of no value to us. If you are not united to Christ by putting your faith in him, you have missed the aeroplane. You are not going to the destination. And friends, the boarding call has gone out to place our trust in Jesus. Ding, ding. Uh, to be credited with his righteousness and to receive all the blessings that we have talked about tonight through his perfect life, sacrificial death, and triumphant resurrection. So have you found Christ? Have you, <clears throat> have you taken hold of this offer found in Ephesians 1 to be truly blessed? In this community, Christ our refuge, we are embarking on an incredible, an incredible privilege to know Christ, love the church, and serve the city. And there are many people in this city that are looking for the blessed life in all the wrong kinds of places. And, and as we look to serve this city as a part of our mission, we seek to point them to Christ, to find the blessings that are found in him. So in closing, we started off today by listing off all these things that the world seemingly offers us of what they think is the blessed life. And I hope you can see as we've walked through Ephesians 1, what are the blessings? Well, the list went on and on and on and on. Where are the blessings? Well, they're ours in the heavenly places right now, where you are seated, you have them. And how do we get the blessings? Well, true blessing, every spiritual blessing is found in Christ. That long, long ago, God made a plan for us not to be enemies with him, for us not to be enslaved to our sin, but to be uh, redeemed by the Son 
Uh, so for all of us here today that have heard and believed in Jesus, we don't have to be tossed aside by what the world tells us of what the blessed life is. But rather, we can know that God has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places by trusting in our Saviour, Jesus. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word, in particular, the letter to the Ephesians. We praise you for adopting us as your children into your family, sons and daughters, and making us heirs to eternal life through Jesus. We thank you that you have washed us of our trespasses according to your grace. And we're just in awe that you have blessed us in Christ with indeed every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. We thank you that you have made a way for us to be truly blessed by sending the Lord Jesus into this world and that through his life, death and resurrection, we are truly blessed in Christ in whom alone our salvation is found. Amen.